Military Mom Talk Radio. We know behind every soldier, sailor, airman, and marine is the family supporting them. With over 200 episodes in 17 countries, over five seasons, with three million monthly listeners, we are Radio Strong. Now here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and Robin Boyd at Military Mom Talk Radio, and we're going to be visiting today, Rob, with Dr. Steven Sidoroff, and he's a really neat guy. He's the assistant professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Biobehavioral Sciences at UCLA School of Medicine, and I met him because he wrote this really neat book called The Path, Mastering the Nine Pillars of Resilience and Success, and you know, a while back when my kids were much smaller and I was kind of going through the divorce stuff and my mom's death, I really started studying up and learning about resilience because I don't think we teach resilience in schools. And I know resilience for me was just something that you either had or you didn't. You didn't really learn resilience. And you know, for those of you that aren't familiar with what resilience is, resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. Some people call it toughness, mental toughness. Um, it's the ability to recover or to spring back or to get, you know, kind of bounce back up. Like I always think of resilience as those Bobo dolls, you know, those blow up dolls that you punch when you're a kid and you punch them and they, they kind of like bounce to the ground and then they woo, come back up and you hit them again and they bounce down and they come back up. Like that to me is what I think about of, um, as resiliency. Think about our military families, though. They are um, the epitome of resilience. And I think when you think of resilience, you're right. You don't learn it. It's not something that you can explain, but it's certainly something you can model. And so many times, I think, when you are helping um, a child with something that's difficult, whether it's difficult for the whole family or maybe it's something difficult for them, Instead of parents just saying, oh, you know what, just blah, 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 just do it this way and you'll be fine, you know. Or get over it. Get over it. I, that kind of always is like fingernails on a blackboard to me because it's true. You have to say, all right, let's consider and uh, do a role play, decide how is this going to come out if we do this and what do you think might be an outcome if you do that? And teaching them to sort of pre- uh, pre-consider what is is ahead is giving them the tools that they need. They need to see that model in order to uh, be able to learn those skills. Well, and you know, the one thing that I found when I read his book and, you know, I came across it because I was thinking like, how do I become more resilient? Because I know like my kids were modeling what I modeled. If I was upset and frightened going to court, they're upset and frightened. So, you know, I, I learned to fake it, you know, really good during yeah. Years. In a way, yeah, you kind of have to sometimes. Yeah, but I thought there's got to be, there's got to, you know, we live in a world of over-information. There's got to be something out there that can help us. And, you know, Dr. Sidorov's book, and then I, I called him and met him, and, you know, he's a neat guy. Yeah. And, you know, he broke it down like we all have resistance to change. Like that's just part of who we are. We fear change. You know, we just did a couple shows with... Um, what was her name? The gal we talked about embracing change and, and, and working through change. Uh, Stephanie Dumont. Yep. Yes. Dumont. 
Yeah. So if you guys want to hear those shows there, you know, they were from a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you can just look her up on uh, militarymomtalkradio.com and see the information from Stephanie Dumont. But Dr. Sidoroff broke down resilience in, you know, a lot of it is the way we think about things. A lot of the way um, we learned, we modeled from our parents and those might not have been the most effective ways, you know, kind of, we know better, we do better. But also in the dealing of painful emotions, because, you know, resilience is a lot about managing your emotions. Isn't that true? And I think there again, considering what are our options instead of saying, oh, my goodness, we can't handle this. You just sit down and say, all right, what are the options? Sometimes it means putting it down on a piece of paper. I think there are so many times that I'll say, okay. Here are some options and there are some options. Yeah, you have to sort of give yourself those choices. See, and I have to, uh, you know, the one thing I learned from Dr. Sid's stuff is, and he's drstevensideroff.com for anybody who's playing along at home on the computer. Um, I have to have my pre-freak out and then I can process and then I kind of have my post-freak out and I realized that was something that was my pattern. Like I get a new, a new job coming in, Rob, and I kind of like freak out. So what do I do? The first thing I do is go to the fridge. Like, <laughs> like that's going to somehow magically calm me down. But, you know, I, I did that and then I function very well under stress. But then like three days later, I'm exhausted and then I have a crying jag. And so identifying like what I was doing was a big part of me uh, changing the behaviors, changing the, the, the old way I thought of it, which was like, oh my gosh, somebody hired me. You would think that would cause me to be excited and overjoyed, but my thinking was, oh crap, what if I can't do it? Yeah, yeah. I think there's so many times that we do second guess ourselves and we have to think of ourselves almost externally. We objectively, you know, you're uh, excellent at what you do. You know, you are confident, you know, you can handle it. Um, and that's sort of like an inner support. You pull the support from within your, your soul, I think, to be able to then make your brain listen to what it's it's trying to tell you. Well, and that's so funny you brought up support because, you know, we have a great sponsor today, Rob. We have Third Love Bras. And, you know, we've talked about Third Love Bras in the past because we're both big fans. And, you know, I've worn Third Love Bras for at least the last two years. In fact, I'm wearing one right now because they are the most comfy bras that, that I own. And I like their perfect fit because millions of real women, you know, they measured all these real women to design these bras with not only breast size and shape in mind, but also that the fabric feels good, you know, and that's such a big part of when you're wearing, you know, I wear my bra from the time I get up in the morning till the time I go to bed. And depending on if it's that time of the month and the girls are kind of tender, I will sleep in a bra. Right, right. That's what's the beauty of these bras because they do fit so comfortably. I agree. I have one as well. And what I loved is you skip the trip to the mall. You can find your own fit in like 60 seconds with their Third Love's online fit finder. I loved it. You, you, you go through the fit finder, you place your order, and then you try it on at home. So there's no more, you don't feel awkward in the fitting room. You know you can try it on at home. And their return policy, if it's not quite right, it is so great because I did return the first one and they were great. They had 
just the packaging to go right back and they get the one that fits you perfectly. Well, and they got a ton of sizes. Like they're the industry leader with over 70 sizes and they have cups from A to H and bands up to 48. And you know, Rob, 50% of all women fall in between those standard cup sizes. So Third Love got pretty smart and they invented half cup sizing. I mean, how cool is that? Absolutely. You know what else I love is there's no tag. They're tagless labels. So there's no itching. The straps don't slip. They stay right where they're supposed to. And my goodness, that ultra soft, smooth fabric. It is so lightweight and that thin memory foam just really, it hugs you. It's a little hug just to keep you all where it's supposed to be. Well, without making you look like torpedo boobs or make your, you know, or make them too big, you know, because sometimes like some brows I've had, the pad is so thick. You you feel like you're wearing like breastplates. Exactly. And if you're full figured like I am, you don't want the padded bra, but you need something for a little modesty. You need something that's going to conform to you. And especially where they know that um, women are never exactly the same size, that little bit of padding just makes everything fit just right. Yeah, and that's that Fit Finder quiz you were talking about. You know, you answer a couple questions and, you know, over 10, will, 10 million women have taken this quiz to date. And it's, it is fast. It doesn't, it takes like a minute to complete. It's not, it's not like forever, but they ask you things like, you know, where, what does your, your chest look like? And, you know, like some point this way, some point that way. And, you know, if I work out in the gym a lot. Not that I'm like the peeping sand, but, you know, you look and you go, wow, there's a lot of different shaped breasts out there. And everybody's got different like rib cages and all this stuff. So it is kind of cool that, you know, you have this fit finder that can help you get the right fit. Because what I found, I discovered this by accident, Rob, I had a bunch of bras in my drawer and I found myself searching for the same ones over and over and over. And then when we had the, the, you know, the endorsement here for the radio show, I was shocked to find that was my go-to, my two go-to bras. And I had actually have four of them, my own six now, and they are my go-to bras every day because they are so comfortable. And you know, they have this new cotton collection, which living in Southern California, I'm really excited about. Yes, it is incredibly soft, so smooth, and it's breathable. Even though I'm in a colder climate, believe me, you know, you get up in front of a bunch of people, you're going to want something that's breathable. And their underwear to match is just, their t-shirt, bras, and cotton underwear are perfect. I love them. I absolutely love them. Well, you know what, Rob, Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering all of our listeners 15% off your first order. So you're going to go to thirdlove.com slash MMTR, like Military Mom Talk Radio, to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. I love it. And what a great way to try uh, something new with a discount like this. And then you're going to be in love and be a regular customer just like we are. Well, and Rob, you had said something about you returned one. How was, tell me about that experience. We've got a couple of minutes before we have to go to commercial break. It was wonderful in that I got it, uh, opened the package, tried it on. It was just a little too big. I actually went with what I thought was the right size and, and the fit finder kind of guided me toward this one. And when I got it, um, because I am full, I don't like it when it cuts like way down in scoops. And I thought, oh, I maybe needed a little bit bigger. I didn't. <laughs> I needed the size that they told me. So I went right back to them. It returned it. I want to say I got the, the correct one in about a week. 
it did they cheap. how did you return it do they give you a package they give you a label like how, how do they re, how do you it, return it the packaging you open it and it's like a re, reusable and there's a little receipt that they send you so that it goes right back to them it's it's as simple as can be that's so great because yeah i've never had to return anything i just throw the boxes away um right. you know but i'm glad to know that it's that easy so um, go to thirdlove.com slash mmtr like military mom talk radio now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15 percent off your first purchase that's thirdlove.com slash mmtr for 15 percent off today so rob we're going to go and we're going to talk to dr steven sideroff and uh his book if you want to look it up it's on amazon it's about 20 bucks it's called the path mastering the nine pillars of resilience and success it's been out for a couple years if you're going to listen to the interview and want to look at his website it's drstevensideroff.com we will be back after the break with more from military mom talk radio it's the fitness minute with fitness expert annette hammond to lose weight we know that each day we need to burn more calories than we take in through eating and exercise burns more calories. According to Discovery Health, a 150-pound person will burn about 60 calories while taking a one-hour nap. One hour of sitting and watching television burns about the same. But if that 150-pound person takes a one-hour brisk walk, then say goodbye to more than 250 calories. Cardio exercise like running, biking, swimming, and brisk walking are the best modes of exercise to burn the highest amount of calories and will get the endorphins flowing in your body. Those feel-good neurotransmitters boost your mood naturally. So use exercise to burn calories, lose weight, and to feel good. I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Hey everybody, this is Sandra Beck and I'm here today with Dr. Steven Sideroff and we are going to be talking about resilience and not just resilience um, for ourselves, but resilience with respect to parenting, to uh, working full time, to juggling kids back and forth. Many of you are single moms and single dads, either by choice, by divorce, or by deployment because we have a large military following uh, on these episodes. And so when someone is serving and the spouse is back at the home front taking care of the kids, it is very much a um, single parent experience. It may not have the stress of single parent plus financial and no relief that some single parents have, but really parenting as a, as a just as a starting point, requires resilience on the part of people. So we're here today with Dr. Steven Sideroff. He's written a great book. He's a um, world-renowned speaker and educator on this topic. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Sandra. It's a pleasure to be here. Yes, and you're you know, also a parent. And I'm also a parent and a grandparent. So I have all of those perspectives. And, you know, it's interesting. The first thing that comes to my mind as you uh, are bringing up the subject of resilience in parents. One of the questions I get very often from parents is how do I, um, how do I uh, develop a resilient child? Hmm. I need to do so that my children are resilient, which is, is very interesting because uh, parents are really 
much more motivated to help their children with their resilience than themselves with their <laughs> and and I understand that I, I we always put our children first but the interesting response that I always have to that question is that the most important factor in whatever a child learns is modeling from their parents and so the best way to ensure resilience in your, in your child, in your children, is for you as a parent to learn to be as resilient as you can be, and then you become the model for how your child is going to develop. And so there's double reason for, a, for moms and dads to be resilient, because you are going to be more effective in your life you're going to age more slowly. Oh. And in addition, you will be a good model for how your child, you want your child to develop and for them to be resilient. So, so what does that mean important. to be resilient? You know, I kind of looked it up in the dictionary and I, I know resilience when I see it in other people. But what is resilient? or resilience mean to me as a parent and so that when I model this how do I even know I'm modeling it well we all have so many stresses in our lives and we don't have really have much control over a lot of them they just kind of throughout our day we are hit by different kinds of stresses that uh, challenge our ability to be resilient. We have this, the stresses of time pressure. I have to be here at this time. I have to, particularly when you have children, they're on their schedules, you're on your schedule. You have to match schedules. Mm -hmm. that in and of itself is very stressful. And what do I mean by stressful? I mean it activates your stress response, your fight or flight response. So it, increases heart rate, blood pressure, tightens muscles as you prepare to deal with whatever the, the stress is. We have stresses because we have bills to be paid. We have stresses because um, we may have conflicts in relationships. So there are so many, so many sources of stress. And most of the time people feel somewhat helpless in dealing with them and that's part of the problem. And that's where I always begin the discussion. And that's to have the belief that you can in some way impact both the stresses in your life and how you're reacting to those stresses. Um, and then secondly, having the intention to engage in some kind of process to make that happen, to manage your stresses better. So that's always the sort of like the preliminary. It's possible and I, and I can do something about it and I'm going to do something about it, okay? So like taking action and, and believing you can or even just giving it a shot. Right, right. So now let's, let's talk about the next step in that, in that process. Because as I said, we're all kind of bombarded by the stresses in our lives. And the stresses kind of give us the message unconsciously that there's danger and 
When there's danger, our bodies want to mobilize, as I mentioned, with the fight or flight response. But um, unfortunately, when the stress or the danger is over, we then do not then tell ourselves, or we don't have any signal that tells us, okay, safety, safe time, as I refer to it, you're now in a zone of safety, you can let down your guard, you can relax now, okay? So the one thing that people, that would be helpful for people is for them throughout their day to identify times and places where they can say, I'm not in danger. I can relax right at this moment. And if you have something happening an hour from now, you're not in danger right now or you're not threatened right now. And so we want to try and compartmentalize our stresses to particular times and places and begin expanding the times in our day that we can say, okay, you know, I'm safe right now. For example, when we get home at night and certainly when we get ready to go to sleep. So there's always, you always want to have a starting point to begin sort of chipping away at what most people experience, which is stress all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's funny so, you say these things, Dr. Sid, because I think as a parent, this stuff comes naturally to do for others. You know, like um, last night, there was a terrible car accident on the freeway near my house and a gravel truck had rolled over a little Toyota and clearly it was not good. And I don't know if the people survived and my, both my kids got really frightened, you know, and they, and I kept saying, but guys, I know you're seeing this, but you're okay now. You're okay now. And the ambulances, and the helicopter and all this stuff. And then we ended up going out to eat because we ended up sitting on the freeway for a long time. We stopped at this fast food place and my little guy was visibly nervous. And I kept saying, it's okay. You're okay now. You're safe. We would do that for our kids, Dr. Sid, but I would never in a million years think to tell myself the same thing. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, we, um, we tend not to do those kinds of things for ourselves, uh, sometimes because we, we feel like that's, you know, we have to be on guard all the time because who knows when and where some kind of danger will occur. Right. That's not being resilient. Being resilient is beginning to have some control over your day, over your life, over your stress response. And you have to start somewhere with implementing that sense of control. And so one way is to start identifying these zones of safety, as I'm calling them. And when you're, engaged, when you're in that zone of safety, let down your guard and give yourself the opportunity to recover. And that's at the heart of resilience. Resilience is really about being able to recover after a stress. So stress activates your nervous system. You want to give yourself the opportunity to recover, meaning coming back to where you started before the stress began. Now, some people, and, and, and I would say most of us, because we have this relationship with stress, our baseline, where we come to rest, has over our, life, our lifetime 
gradually increased and increased. But we don't notice this because we, have, we adapt to higher and higher levels of tension. So people in listening to this right now, you might check in with your, your shoulders, your neck, and notice that, oh, maybe I'm ho actually holding some tension in my shoulders. Okay, take a breath, let, let the air out, and as you let the air out, just release your shoulders. Release any tension in your jaw. And by doing this, you will begin to be aware that you hold throughout the day, not because you want to, but you've adapted to higher levels of tension. Isn't that a good thing, though, that we've adapted to higher tension rather falling apart, or is it not good? Well, there's a, a cute cartoon with these two executives, and one executive says uh, to the other, he says, I save time by not unwinding. <laughs> and, uh, and no, um, unconsciously, we mobilize because we, again, unconsciously believe that way we're going to be ready when right. some stress occurs. And it doesn't work that way. First of all, it takes literally seconds to mobilize to a stress. You don't need be holding and, and maintaining tension, simply ready and waiting for the stress to occur. And so it's also important to realize that we all have a limited amount of personal energy. Okay? When I say personal energy, it's like everything that we do requires energy. And our body uses energy to do all kinds of uh, processes within our bodies as well as the ones we're aware of, like driving places and, and running places and walking places. They all require energy, but the body requires energy simply for healing and maintenance. So all the time, we are unconsciously making choices as to where we use that energy because it's limited. Right. And so if we're busy in this fight or flight mode, uh, you know, because we're trying to get someplace quickly because we're concerned about our child or any other kinds of worries or stresses, the energy of our body goes into defend and protect, the fight or flight response. When it happens, the brain may have to say, you know, I can't send energy to the kidneys. Energy is required to help the kidneys purify my blood because I'm too busy protecting and defending against outside dangers. And we go into this, even though we don't realize it, we're essentially going into survival mode. And at the same time, we're taking energy away from very vital primary functions of the body. The body is always making these choices. And the more we make the choice to defend and protect, the more we go into the stress response, the less energy is available for the very basic and important uh, maintenance and healing 
processes of the body. And that's enough reason to want to and have the intention to better manage and control our stresses and become more resilient and back to what I was saying, return to baseline, let go of the activation and come back down that continuum of the activation of the nervous system. You know, well, and you uh, just explained to me, like any parent who has teenagers or preteens who play video games, that I can tell, you know, as they play these games, doctor said, you know, they're in that defend and protect, you know, because they're playing these games that are, at least my kids play a lot of military games, car games, racing games, shooting games. And it's like, they get so ramped up and they feel that that's their unwinding. But what I'm hearing from you is that if you're in a defend and protect mode, which is any kid gaming, any sort of, you know, gaming experience, the brain can't send energy to the kidneys to purify their blood or do what it needs to do. It can't do healing and maintenance. So it really isn't relaxing. Right. It's distracting and it's not necessarily work, but it's not engaging the recovery component of our nervous system, the parasympathetic system, the part of that, our nervous system that takes us into this um, a state of recovery. At, to some degree, we've lost that ability. I always encourage people that I work with to devote uh, a few minutes each day to practicing some form of relaxation meditation to help restore that ability in your body. Well, and you know, I know that's good advice, but I never understood why. And I think if we know the why, like it's more valuable. Like if you told me to sit down and relax because I'm kind of a high energy person, that's really hard for me. But it doesn't mean that I can't do my yoga or my meditation, which I do at night or in the morning to start off my day. But now you've given me all these other beneficial reasons to go, you know, I actually am doing something by not doing what I normally do. Right, right. Well, it's helpful for people to realize that these, this, what we're talking about here and these lessons that I'm giving you here, I do this with elite athletes as well, because they, more than anybody, realize that if they don't manage their stress, it affects their performance. Right. Not only their health, but their performance as well. So the same would go then towards anybody whose who's ideal outcome is to be a great parent, to run a company, to run a real estate office, to work from home. Anybody, like whether it's an elite athlete or a parent wanting to have the best possible outcome for their family or their business, wouldn't the same rules apply? The same rules certainly apply. And uh, so that we're talking about optimal health as well as optimal performance and success by becoming more resilient and learning the techniques to be more resilient. And it's funny because when you think of resiliency or to be resilient, you know, like in my mind, it was always like be tough, be strong, you know, get over it quick and just keep going. But one of the components I'm learning today is the 
the component of healing and maintenance for my body. I would do that for my computer. I would do it for my car, but not necessarily for my body. Right, right. And so, you know, if we tuned into our bodies more, and we don't, we're typically focused out in the world, not in our bodies. And one of the reasons we don't focus in on our bodies is if we did, we would notice some of these discomforts caused, caused by stress. And in fact, most people don't address these issues until they start to get some kind of physical symptom. Okay? So why not get ahead of the curve? Why not um, begin earlier in this process if you're fortunate enough to not yet have physical symptoms? Mm-hmm this process will ensure that you're less likely uh, get physical, have physical symptoms. So you engage in the process by being aware that you have a rhythm, that there are times where if you really checked in with your body, your body will tell you, hey, you need to relax for a little bit. And so we all have this natural rhythm where we, kind of thrust out into the world and do all the things we need to do and be productive, but then we have to come back inside and give our bodies that opportunity to recover so that we can thrust out into the world again much more effectively. So how would this look for like a family? Let's say this is, use my family as an example. I think I'm pretty typical. You know, I'm a full-time working single mom. I have two boys, one teenage, one preteen. And then I have my 85-year-old dad. So what would this look like in practice? Because this theory is all interesting to me. How do we navigate this as a family unit? Mm -hmm. Well, again, the first is to realize that it's possible to accomplish as much as you accomplish and still be more resilient. And the second is to have the intention of engaging in some kind of process to make that to bring that about, to become more resilient, okay? So those are the first two steps. Um, One of the things I think is most important for parents is that we tend to be hard on ourselves. We tend to feel guilty if we're not doing more and more and, and whatever we hear about what this other mother, this other father is doing for their children, and we feel we should be doing that as well. And pretty soon we have this kind of agenda that's, you know, even Superman would find difficult to do. Okay. So, uh, you want to realize that there is an optimal way to treat yourself to be a good, you know, we're talking about being a parent to our children, and we want to be the best parent we can be to our children. Well, I like to to talk about being a really good parent to yourself, to being a very good parent to yourself. And that means treating yourself from a place of love, from a place of compassion, from a place of acceptance, from a place of support and a place of care, okay? As opposed to how some of us treat ourselves a lot of the time and where we're, in which we are hard on ourselves, critical of ourselves, 
perfectionists feel we're not doing enough. All of those perspectives only create more stress and make us less resilient. Mm -hmm. So some people might say, well, wait a second, I can't be accepting of, of this. You know, this isn't acceptable. Well, my definition of acceptable or of being accepting of yourself doesn't always mean you like what you're doing. Accept simply means recognizing that right at this moment, this is my reality. Mm -hmm. Most of the time in our lives, wherever we are, however well we do, we feel we should be doing more, we should be doing better. Okay. And I like to say that if you're on this path in life and, and you're somewhere on this path, mm -hmm. What most people are always saying to themselves is I should be further along on this path. Mm -hmm. It's impossible. If you're here, you can't be here. And so acceptance simply is recognizing reality. Here's where I'm at. Let me accept that. Because when I accept it, I will be less hard on myself and therefore I will experience less stress and I'll be able to relax a little bit better, a little bit more. Um, you can relax and that doesn't necessarily take away from all the things that you need to do. Okay. In my car and I'm late for an appointment, being tense because, of the, because I'm late doesn't get me there any faster. I will get there just as fast if I'm relaxed. And that's a good example of, of the difference between how we are at times, tense because, simply because there's something we're dealing with versus being relaxed because we realize we can be just as effective if we come from this place of calmness. Got it. It's a little bit changing your framework, changing your belief system that it's okay actually to engage in what you're doing throughout the day from a, a place of greater calm. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then it requires practicing a relaxation exercise on a regular basis to literally retrain your ability to come down nervous system continuum from activated Calm. In fact, re recently, recently I was working with a golfer, mm -hmm. working on this very thing, so that when he was getting ready to to take his swing, he came from a place of greater calm, because he realized he and he learned that he performed a lot better under those conditions. Got it. Got it. So. It's almost counterintuitive to what, like from the 80s forward is what I see is was everything was a go, 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 do, 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 ramp it up, ramp it up, you know, four hour energy drink, no, you know, no offense to four hour energy drink, but everything is about more, 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 faster, faster, faster. And what you're telling me is that may or may not be the right approach for day to day living. Right. So there may be times where it is effective and, and does work, but I, in my research and my work, I found that those times are minuscule in comparison to the times we can get more 
accomplished if we are calm in the process. And then, so for our kids, like, you know, how do we say to them, they have a test coming up. Let's use an example of that. They got a test mm -hmm. coming up on Tuesday. We've got to prepare, you know, the whole weekend and get a good night's sleep. What can we walk them through? Or conversely, as an adult, if we have a presentation at work on Tuesday, because yeah. to me, those are the same things, just different, different lives. Um, how would you prepare me or my child for those scenarios? Well, the first thing I would, and it's easier with your child than with yourself, but with your child, I would um, try to develop schedules and scheduling and having them tell you as soon as they get an assignment so that you can actually schedule time to work on that assignment right from the day they get the assignment. Okay. Too much of our stress is due to time pressure. Too much of our stress is due to us procrastinating and then feeling more and more pressure to get something done because it's last minute. So the, the biggest way we can help our children is to help them get into the habit of starting a, a project as soon as they get the assignment and help them schedule their time so that they on an ongoing basis put time into it and spread out that that process now this certainly would be good for us as adults as well uh, and i and I always encourage the people that I work with to do that. Exactly as I said, as soon as you know you have a, an assignment, a, a, a presentation, a, a project, begin mapping out when and how you're going to get it done, which emphasizes something else that's very important in conquering stress and being more resilient, and that is feeling in control. Most of the time, most people are reactive to what's going on and only deal with things when they have to, when it's imperative. And they, we feel more the victim than in control of our lives in a large source of vulnerability and stress. So the more you can feel in control by scheduling, by following through, and by practicing a relaxation exercise because that helps you feel more in control of your body, the, um, the more resilient you will become. So you mentioned something you said about the victim versus in control. Yes. What is, can you describe to me what it feels like or what what, how would I recognize that? I, I kind of know when I'm feeling in control. How would I recognize that I'm, I'm more to the victim side of the spectrum? Well, um, if you, to the degree you feel helpless, you would be on that side of the spectrum. To, to the degree that you blame your circumstances to outside forces. Like, it's the boss's fault. It's this person's I, fault. I, you know, so-and-so made me angry. So made me upset. 
Got it. Got it. So when as a parent or a, a, a working mom or dad or a military husband or wife, a spouse embarks on this journey to learn about being resilient, I know you have a book mm -hmm. that you wrote and can we talk about that book for a minute and how it can help people develop this resiliency in their life so then they can turn around in part and teach it by modeling to their children? Yes, certainly, certainly. So when, when I wrote my book and I developed uh, my model of resilience that has nine components, most people referred to resilience and talked about stress management simply as the process of recovering after a stress, uh, sort of managing their stresses. And what I learned in my years of research in this area is a couple of things that are very important. One is that for various reasons, people have tremendous resistance to managing their stress. We, in all the surveys that you see out there, stress is always identified as one of the biggest problems in most people's life. Oh, sure. Um, and when I started doing workshops with executives, they would say that as well. And they would come to my talks and be very interested in all of the different techniques that I was giving them. But as much as they enjoyed and, and learned from my talks, three months later, very few of them actually were engaged in any of the techniques or lessons that they learned in my workshops. And so it, it sort of helped me on this track of identifying all the reasons why we resist uh, managing our stress. And that was, in fact, one of the reasons why I switched from a, the notion of stress management to resilience. Because, uh, and, and our stress response are survival mechanisms, important mechanisms that within healthy ranges help motivate, focus us, help us gear up to deal with our lives. Mm -hmm. Stress and our stress reaction in and of themselves are not either bad or good. Within certain ranges, it's good, but most people don't stay within those ranges, and that's why it becomes a problem. Mm -hmm. And so we want to, first of all, be careful and let people know that, yeah, your stress response is a healthy response. But it's gotten out of, out of whack, so to speak, for many different reasons. And this is why I developed the nine components of my model, because, for example, one of the reasons why so many of us uh, experience much more stress than we should is because we don't feel good about ourselves. And so we're engaging in being productive in an effort to try and feel better about our success, about ourselves. So we look to try and get more and more external successes, productivity, mm -hmm. laments in order to feel better about ourselves. But of course, 
since we don't feel good about ourselves because of wounding, none of these external factors really in and of themselves do the job, but we don't realize that. We think is, well, I have to do more and more because what I'm doing isn't making me feel better. Right. right. And so in my model, I talk about uh, emotional wounding, childhood, lessons of childhood that result in us feeling bad about ourselves or being overly critical about ourselves because all of that contributes to this imbalance between stress and recovery that we are talking about that's part of resilience. So we have to deal with those issues of wounding mm -hmm. because they continue to have an effect on ourselves and our lives. Um, and so uh, the first component of my model is, as I alluded to earlier, our relationship with ourselves in helping people develop a healthy relationship with themselves. Mm -hmm. Another component of the model is emotional balance and mastery. And this means becoming aware of and addressing emotional unfinished business mm -hmm. that we carry around with us as excess baggage because we haven't resolved issues that could be from yesterday, last year, or from our childhood. You know, that adage, uh, time heals all wounds, is really not, unfortunately, not accurate. That unless we address a wound, dress and address a wound, uh, and resolve it, we will keep carrying it around, and then it becomes a, um, a vulnerable place within ourselves. That's what what we mean when we say he pushed my button is mm -hmm. into an existing wound, which caused us to have a big reaction. So when we, when we pick up your book, and the book is The Path, Mastering the Nine Pillars of Resilience and Success, um, there's a, a test at the beginning, or there's a quiz at the beginning, you know, something that can, a test sounds so awful. Let's just talk about putting Not scripts. a test, not a quiz. <laughs> it's an assessment. An assessment. Okay, good. I'll take that. I'll take that. <laughs> yes, assessment of where we start out at the beginning of the book. And I have that presented three times in the book so people can retake it and notice their progress, mm -hmm. but it gives you um, where you stand, your profile along these nine pillars of resilience. And let me just I, mention what they are. The first three are about relationship, relationship with yourself, relationship with others, and relationship with something greater. And that has to do with either spirituality or how meaning and purpose in your life and giving service, something that connects you to the larger community. The next three are about organismic balance and mastery, and that's physical balance and mastery, mental or cognitive, your thinking patterns, mass balance and mastery, and emotional balance and mastery. And then the last three have to do with how we engage in the world, and that's presence, flexibility, and the last one is power, 
which I define as the ability to get things done. So the more confident you are in your ability to get things done, the fewer situations are experienced as dangerous and thus you trigger your stress response less frequently. And I'll just uh, say a few words about one of the other components, the mental balance and mastery. Because our perspective, which really is trained into us in our childhood environment, determines how much stress we experience. If we um, are expecting danger, if we're expecting someone to not be nice to us, we activate our stress response. If we're expecting more positive things from people in our lives and from the world, we have less, we experience less activation of our nervous system. Well, and everything becomes easier. I can tell after, you know, when I got a, a copy of your book about maybe, you know, like a year ago, I can't remember the when I got it, but I took that first assessment and, you know, I've worked through the book and it's not something that you're going to work through in a sitting. You know, it's not something you're going to work through. Um, the way I use it is I've been working through the book uh, little pieces at a time. You know, I work on a section and I, you know, you have to think about these things. It takes a while to, you know, if you're going to make any sort of personal change, it can't be just brain candy. You know, can't read it and know it. You actually have to start breathing it and implementing it. And it is interesting that when I look at assessment one to assessment two, there's improvement. And wonderful. who would think, you know, there'd be improvement? Like That's wonderful. And, you know, the whole idea of the title called The Path, mm -hmm. of course, the whole book is about helping to teach people what it means to be on the path and how to get on the path and how to return to the path when you fall. And so within each chapter, I literally have on the, in, the, in the margins, I have steps yes. people can take that put them onto the path. So it's a very step-by-step -step process, which makes it much less overwhelming for people to engage in and to achieve. Right. Well, it's like, you know, learning, like, like losing a hundred pounds, you know, you, you have all these things or 50 pounds that I had to lose when I had a baby, you know, it was overwhelming to me, but if I lost it just a pound every couple of days, I can do this. And right. that's the way I looked at it with, with your book, the path mastering the nine pillars of resilience and success. Each one, was like a little pound loss because the benefit that I didn't realize, Dr. Sid, from working through your book was that I would feel lighter. Like even mm -hmm. though I didn't lose any weight from your book, which would have been great if you could do that too, I'd love it. But you feel good. You wake up in the morning, you know, you're, you change from the inside out. And that to me is miraculous. Well, that's great, Sandra. And that's exactly how the book is meant to be used. Um, I have people that will wake up in the morning and read just two pages, yeah. one idea or a few of those steps from that, those two pages and work on that that day. Uh, I have other people that will put the book down for a long period of time, but something happens and they pick it back up and they're able to go to exactly the place in my book that relates to their stressful situation and get tips on how to work through that. So there are many different ways of using, using my book effectively. 
Right. Absolutely. I'm one of those people. I keep your book in my office. And when something happens and I'm, I, you know, I can start feeling things change Then I'm like, okay, I need to go back to my, I call it my resilience playbook. I'm like, I need to go back to the playbook. And I look up something, I get some tip, I get some reminder because it really is hard to rework yourself from the inside out in one sitting. You can't do it. And as things arise, you know, what I found was after, since I've been involved with your book for a year now, there's stuff that I read. I'm like, eh, you know, that doesn't really relate to me right now. <laughs> but then, you know, six months goes by, you know, my dad moves back into my household. I'm all of a sudden a veteran caregiver again. And, you know, and then I go back and I look at it. And when you change how you relate to the material changes and it's one of those, that's why I call it a playbook because I need to know if I'm on offense or defense, if it's five minutes to go in the game, you know, all these things affect what we need and that's why it's a really good playbook for anybody who wants to have an optimum outcome to their business and their life right that's great that's great i it, it's i'm glad to hear you talk about it in that way because that's is a very effective way of using it yeah because realistically dr sid i don't know many of us that have time i can't remember the last book i read cover to cover you know, I read it, I put my bookmark in, and then I might skip ahead and, you know, look at what do I need right now? Because that's realistic. Maybe it's because we live in a text and instant message, you know, immediacy kind of. Um, but I also know that at, you know, 50 years old, I'm not going to remember everything. So I'm going to read to get what I need and I'm going to highlight it and I'm going to put post it so I can find something again. Like there's things in your book that'll go like, oh, I don't need this right now, but I might need it. You know, that like little thing in the back of your head that says this is important. So I highlight it and then I know to go back to it. But that's really the practical usage of your book. Mm -hmm. Great. Yeah. Great. So Wonderful. where can people find yeah. out more about you? So... If they go to my website, drstephensideroff.com, that's D-R-S-T-E-P-H-E-N-S-I-D-E-R-O-F-F.com, they will get, they will see there, first of all, uh, they can do a very quick resilience assessment. Not they a quiz can, uh, <laughs> <laughs> They can uh, sign up for a free audio download of a relaxation. Uh, and they have on my website, I have a lot of articles that I've written over the years that will be very useful for any of the people who go on to my website, additional information, my upcoming events, uh, as well as information about my book, which you can purchase by going to amazon.com. Right. So the book is the Path, Mastering the Nine Pillars of Resilience and Success. It's available on Amazon. You can also go to drstephensideroff.com and take the assessment. And I think it's so important, Dr. Sideroff, because we live in very changing times and everything is going so fast. And, you know, for me, the most important aha takeaway today was the importance of providing healing and maintenance for our bodies to have that optimum result and not to live in that defend and protect mode, which is something I know I do. Yeah. Well, for many years, we've intuitively assumed that 
it, that uh, stress can actually speed up the aging process. And we now actually have evidence that this is the case. We, there's research that shows that one of the markers for aging, which is the fraying of the ends of our DNA material, actually speeds up in people who are in high stress situations. So um, aside from the fact that it can help you in your, how you perform, it can help also slowing the aging process for resilience. Love that. Anybody who's had a baby and under that kind of stress for the first three months, all they have to do, Dr. Sid, is look in the mirror and you'll see like the crypt keeper. You look like you're a thousand years old, even though you're 25 and had a baby. That's what stress will do to you. But the body's amazing at its ability to recover if you let it. Well, I, I've had many people tell me and write to me and tell me how much younger they feel by becoming more resilient by following the steps in my book. and actually surprised at how well they feel. Mm -hmm. I agree, I'm on here, I'm here to, to testify. I'm like, I think I look better than I did a year ago. I think I feel younger and I think a lot of the, um, the things that I learned from your book that I really put into daily practice made a big difference, not only in my life, but the lives of my family. The book that we're talking about today is The Path, Mastering the Nine Pillars of Resilience and Success, drstevensideroff.com for more information. We'll catch you again next week. Thanks for spending time with us today on Military Mom Talk Radio. We've got more than 200 episodes available to you anytime on iTunes or at our website, MilitaryMomTalkRadio.com. Find us on Facebook or Twitter. We look forward to another great conversation with you on Military Mom Talk Radio.